Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. And we have, we have been through, uh, with many of you sitting here, we've been through hell and back, but praise God, we're back and we're never going to go back there again and we're just going to move forward. But we love people that just stick with us and hang with us and pray for us and minister to us and minister alongside of us. Uh, ministry is, you know, it used to be the thing that I, I dreaded the most, just doing what I did every day, whether standing in the pulpit or, or just ministering to people. And now I love it. I absolutely love what I'm doing. And it's because you guys do make the, the burden light. And it's not that you should ever be afraid to come to us for something. That's why we're here. We want to help people grow. But just some, some things have shifted. And it's like we have so much momentum in the spirit. I'm telling you, there is powerful things that's happening. And I, can't, I cannot hardly contain myself when I get up to share because there's so much in me. It's like, my God, I don't, I don't have enough time. And I look at where we're at now and I think I don't have enough time, but I'm going to give you a little bit more. Anyways, can you all handle just a little bit more? You know, I want to say something. Some people don't know how to take me because I get really excited when I minister. I teach, but I te- teach, I teach by design, but I preach because I get excited. And, and, the, and I'm actually going to possibly talk about the anointing a little bit here today. But the anointing is God's unction on you to deliver a message or to do whatever it is that he's called you to do. And Sometimes, I, I, you know, the anointing will affect people differently. I've set, met some people that they'll cry. Other people will just giggle and laugh. And some people just get excited. I just get excited. That's just who I am. And so sometimes people don't know how to take me. And they think, you know, you must be some, like, Pentecostal weird guy. And you're just doing weird stuff. But I, I didn't grow up as a Pentecostal or anything. I just grew up just a, just a guy or whatever. But, man, when the power of God comes on you, it'll cause you to do things and, uh, and get excited if you're, if you're the kind that gets excited. And so that's me. But I, I want to talk about it. And actually, Ron's word in specific, his word about new wineskins fits so perfect with what the Lord is wanting to share in here today. And I believe that there are, and I don't want to just say I believe because that, that leaves it open for interpretation. Let me rephrase that. There are, everybody say there are. Now everybody say there are other levels in the spirit that I've yet to walk in. And so if you can understand that and you can keep that before you and you can keep an open heart, God can take you places in the spirit and relationship with him that you've yet to go into. And God will use the people around you to help stretch you, to help to help give you a new wineskin, if you will, to where you can expand as much as God wants you to expand. You know, I found out about new wineskins that as soon as you get a new wineskin and you expand, then you need to be ready to throw that wineskin out because you've already used all the wine that's in it. And it's not that you don't, that, that you just throw the wine out. The, the wine's valuable. So you use the wine, but it, it won't expand anymore in that wineskin. And the wineskin is just your thinking. It's your understanding. It's where you're at spiritually. And everybody, and I think everybody can attest that you were at one point, you were at this level in your life, and now you've come to this level in your life. Can everybody agree with that? And how did you do that? It was because at some point you decided, I need to know more, I need to grow, and I have to expand if I'm going to go to the next place. And maybe you didn't even phrase it like that, but that's what you did. And I'm going to tell you something. There is no, there is no cap on how far we can go in our relationship with the Lord. The only cap that there is, is what we put on it. There is no end to this thing, which 
If you think about that, because the Bible tells us that the, that the glory that Moses had was a glory that was passing away. But the glory of Jesus, the glory of the new covenant, is an ever-increasing glory. It's an ever-increasing glory. I mean, it's an ever-increasing glory. That means that it's going to increase from the, from the day, from today, or from the time of Jesus, up until today, until the day that we, would, we die, until the day that Jesus returns, until the day that we're all in his presence in heaven. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to ever-increase throughout all eternity. But the deal is, is that Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is, there is glory, there's revelation, there's manifestation, there's power, there's anointing that comes from the heavenly realms. And I know some of you, you're hearing this and you're thinking, are you some kind of weird mystic? No, actually, I'm just a New Testament Bible-believing Christian. It's just the, the, the deal is, is that the, especially the westernized church, but the church for so long has been okay with just having a natural organization. I don't want a natural organization. I want a supernatural, powerful, anointed, glorious church. I want to I wanna pastor a church like that. I do, but it's an ever-increasing church. And so the reason that this is so important is that we find when the Lord goes from glory to glory to glory to glory, it, it's interesting because some people will drop off, but then some people will come. Some people go, oh, 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 I don't want that. That's weird. But then other people go, oh my gosh, that's the weirdness I've been looking for, you know? And it's like they, they, they're maybe at a place where they can receive a little more of what God has. And so what we're, and I'm not saying sometimes God will draw people away for whatever reasons. And I, I don't know all the reasons behind that, but you see that as a whole. So don't ever be discouraged when you see people come and you see people go. The definition of a successful church is not how many people are in the seats, The definition of a successful church are people that have the heart of God, that fulfill what he's told them to do, that be the people that God has called them to be. We are a unique, special, anointed, glorious people right here. And whether there's five people or 5,000 that are here, God has uniquely made us, uniquely designed us, and I'm proud of who God has made us. I'm not proud in the sense like, look at what we've done. We're nothing without him. But what he has done, I'm really proud of the work that God has done in us. And so we just keep going from glory to glory to glory to glory. And whether, again, whether we have few or we have many, that's not the issue. This is something that actually is, is almost eradicated from our language, but we need a little bit more work on this. Because the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age that we live in is so focused on numbers. And I'm fine with numbers. We look at numbers. We keep track of, you know, how many people we're dealing with. It practically helps us be able to plan for growth and deal with what we have right now. But I don't determine my success or the success of what we do or who we are based off of how many people show up. I do it based off, for me personally, my success is God gives me instruction and then I obey the instruction that he gave me, period. And if I do that at the end of my days, the Lord is going to look at me, and the same for you, and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. And the deal is, is that if we'll just do what God's telling us to do, he knows what it takes to reach the masses. He knows what it takes to do the work that he's called us to do. And every community has a work 
that is specified for them to reach the people that's there. But here's the deal. We're not supposed to be just focused on, on ourselves. We're supposed to be focused on the people around us. We're not supposed to be just focused on the people in our church, but, but the people in our community, and not just our community, but the next community and the next state and, and eventually the whole world. That's why we've got flags up in here because we don't want our focus to just be on ourselves. But, I be, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think it's, it's a fair statement to say that when you look at the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, one of them sticks out further than the other, and that's the evangelist, and they're there to equip us to reach the lost and bring them in. So it might be a fair statement to say that four-fifths of the five-fold ministry is designed for the equipping of the saints in the house and to deal with the, with the work and the ministry that takes place inside the house of God. And so if the house isn't right, if we go out and we get people and we bring them into a house that's not in order, what are we going to do with the people that we bring in? They're going to be hurt and offended and mad and destroyed, and they're going to go out and they're not going to know what's going on, and they're going to go right back out into the mess that they were already in. There is an equipping that the Lord is continuing to do in us, and I'm not discouraged by that because I feel like I've been, for the, especially the last couple of years, it's like, whew, when are we going to see a pfft? Because if you don't want to see numbers, you got something wrong with you. We should want to see growth spiritually and numerically. Both of them are important. You just don't gauge whether you're being successful on how many people fill the seats. But at some point, we will see a mass amount of people come in, but the Lord has to have us set properly to be able to handle the influx of people that he wants to bring in. And this is, this is not just a place for people to come and just sit. And I think you know this by now, but this is, I believe the local church should be, should be built to be a sending center. And there's people that are sent out maybe weekly and they, they come back and, and they get things that, that are there at the local church. And then there are some that we will send and they will establish other works in other places. But the idea behind a, a local church is we should bring people in and be able to give them what they need so they're successful with a kingdom mentality in where God's called them to in their life. And so if we're not functioning in the kingdom on the, on the, the highest levels, you, know, you can't take people beyond where you're at. And I don't know about you, but I want to take people to really, really high places where we have to be willing to go there first ourselves. And the only, the only way we can go higher in the Lord and higher in the things of the Spirit is we have to be willing to break off the old mindset. And breaking off the old minds, mindset is simply going, God, I know that there is more for me to know, more for me to understand, more for me to attain. And I'm willing for you to break my old mold and throw it out and to give me a new mold so that I can expand this far. And I know that some people could go, well, why don't you just get the whole thing? Well, we don't have the capacity really to hold all of God in our understanding in our soulish realm, if you will. Now, your spirit man has the fullness of God living on the inside of it. Now, I don't want to get off into talking about spirit, soul, and body, but you need to understand that you have a spirit, you possess a soul, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. And inside of your spirit, man, contains all of the life, the knowledge, the wisdom, the, the, the virtue, the holiness, the goodness, the righteousness, everything that Jesus is lives inside of your spirit, man. It's perfect, it's complete, it's filled, it's overflow, it's everything you need is inside of your spirit, man. But it's our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions, and our body that is continually growing day by day. And that's where we need to have our expansion go on in the way that we think and in our emotional realm and in, in our will. How important is our will? 
God wills for us to be totally relinquished to him and have, have nothing holding us back. But so many times our wills, our own wills, get in the way of what the Lord wants us to do. Westernized Christianity, and pardon me for saying this, but I'm just going to say it. Westernized Christianity has largely been about how can I get blessed? When you look at Christianity in the early days, it was about total and complete surrender to the Lord. 100%, every single part of the spirit, soul, body, finances, marriage, everything was total, complete surrender to the Lord. And things have gotten a little bit twisted because God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to live a blessed life, but we're not supposed to be in pursuit of, of the fruit of a relationship with him. We should just be in pursuit of having a relationship with him and the fruit will come. Amen. So we have to go back to this place of being totally, 100%, completely surrendered to him. And if we will do that, we will see the greater levels of manifestation that the Lord has for us. I really believe that once we get born again, it should look like where we hold nothing back and the Lord is allowed to continually work on us. You know, repentance and submission to the Lord is a... It's a one-time decision, but a continual act. How many of y'all can relate to that you are more given over to the Lord now than you were last week or a month ago or whatever? But the point is, is that you should have at some point made a decision that God, my life no longer, it doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. That means the way that I think, the way that I believe, how I talk to, who I talk to, what I do with my day. God, everything belongs to you. And that's not a heavy burden. If, if you feel heavy about that, then, then you've missed out on the whole idea of the grace of God. The whole idea of the grace of God is that, Jesus, I can't do it. You can do it through me, and you can change me. But, God, my life belongs to you. And all of the pride and any ounce of rebellion totally gets thrown out. And you say, Lord, I'm totally, 100%, completely submitted to, do, to you. My life belongs to you. And you can do anything in me and through me that you want to do. That is, the, that is the very bare bones basis of what's required to have a successful relationship with the Lord. Most people, the reason that they have so much trouble in their life and they, they get saved and they stay in all of the problems and issues that they've had in their life is because they gave their heart to the Lord, but they never gave their life to the Lord. It was like, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Awesome. And I, listen, the Bible says that if you will call on the name of the Lord, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. I think that there are people, I heard one person say to me one time, they said, we're going to be shocked at how many people aren't in heaven. Honestly, I think the complete opposite. I think we're going to be shocked at how many people are in heaven. There's, because the Lord made it so easy. But he doesn't want you to live in hell here on this earth so you can eventually go to heaven. He wants you to have less hell having a hold of you, less of the spirit, have, spirit of the world having a hold of you, and more of the spirit of God, more of the kingdom of God having, that you live in his kingdom, you live for his purposes. Everybody is on this earth for a purpose have you stopped and asked the Lord lately, Lord, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Whatever your job is, whatever it is that you do vocationally, whatever it is that you do with your day, those things are very important to the Lord. God cares about every one of those details. If you're a, if you're, here's the deal, is that no matter what you've done, no matter what you do, he's called you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and preach the gospel. And so if you're a carpenter, 
Be a carpenter, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, and cast out devils. I think I said leopards, but it's lepers. There's a confusion about this, isn't there? We sang a song one time that was supposed to say cleanse the lepers, and we kept saying cleanse the leopards, but that wasn't it. So if you're a carpenter, that's what you do. Amen. If you're a nurse, be a nurse. Be the best nurse that you can be. But be a nurse and cleanse the lepers. Let's leave that part out. Cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel, and so on. Amen. It's not just relegated to the preacher guy. If every, in fact, that's the reason why our, why our nation is in so much trouble. If you can't see that our nation is in trouble, then you, you got your head so far down in the sand. I mean, my gosh, we are in serious trouble if something doesn't change, if something doesn't shake. And do you know, and this is what I'm believing. When I was in worship, I heard this, and I thought, I'm going to prophesy different. Because traditionally and historically, what we've seen is that the church only goes forward under persecution. I don't want persecution. I like my freedoms. I, I, I like living in a house. And Liz and I were talking about, she was saying about people being missionaries. I said, we're missionaries to Perryville. But it's just like this, the, the Midwest is probably like the safest part of the whole entire world. I mean, this is just pretty easy here, right? But I like my freedoms. God likes us to like and have and enjoy our freedoms. He wants us to have that. But if we don't see something change, I can tell you that we are going to come under persecution once again. Us, our people, our children or our grandchildren will come under persecution because the church is always against darkness and darkness is always against the church. It's always a constant battle. And if we're not moving forward, darkness is moving forward. There is no middle ground. And I can tell you right now, I'm not saying we haven't gained some ground, but right now darkness has been winning in our country. But this is my, this is my confession of faith, is that I believe that the church is going to arise, the church is going to stand strong, the church is going to be full of fire, it's going to be full of zeal and truth and everything that it's supposed to be everything she's supposed to be she's going to walk in in america without the persecution and i believe that it's because god is raising up a true a true acts church full of apostles full of prophets full of evangelists full of pastors full of teachers that know how to equip saints that know, that are full of the fire of god that are full of the anointing of god that spend their days in the presence of god that know how to love people that aren't trying to elevate themselves in their ministry but are trying to encourage people and strengthen them and equip them to be everything that God's called them to be. Then if you're a general in the army, you should be equipping the people underneath of you to fight the war that they need to fight. And for anybody to ever call people, saints into them, and they have an anointing to be a general in the army of God, and all they do is pull people around them, but they don't equip them, shame on those people. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are called, they're anointed, they're gifted not by themselves, but of God to equip the saints for his kingdom purposes, for what God's called them to do. And I'm telling you, I believe in Jesus' name that there is a new level, there is a new level of apostolic, prophetic, pr prophetic pastoral, evangelistic, and teaching anointing that's coming to another level to equip saints to send them out so we really actually make a difference in the world that we live in. Hallelujah. But it's very, it's extremely important that what we do out there is a reflection of what we do in here. And I'll be honest with you, what we do in here is a reflection of what we do in our homes. And what we do in our homes is a reflection of what we do in here. And so if we're going to change the world, we have to change in here. 
And praise God, we're on our way. We haven't arrived, but we've left. And if we're going to change what's in here, we have to change what's in our homes and our daily routine. And we have to change, if we're going to change that, we have to change what's on the inside of us. And the Lord began to show me and open up the, my understanding in something that I've, I've actually been doing for quite a few years, um, but I, I didn't really understand it. And he just downloaded and, and I could not get anything for today when I was preparing. And, and when I do that, sometimes I'll just sit and study and the Lord will go boom and lay something on my heart. And that's what I'm supposed to minister. And other times I get nothing. <laughs> I just read and I'll get information and maybe some revelation, but I don't get that quickening. And so I, I went and, and I just went in prayer and just turned on some, some music and I began to pray in the spirit. And I prayed in the spirit and the Lord just began to highlight to me, download to me about how to personally go into levels of the spirit. Because here's the deal is that when you look in the early church, you see, you see great manifestations of the spirit that we need. Everybody say need. We need them if we are going to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. Jesus had tremendous operation happening in the spirit. Tremendous. And, and this is something that has to shift is that the fivefold ministry, they're not supposed to be the ones doing all the operation in the spirit. They're supposed to be the ones explaining, teaching, and equipping the saints for the operation of the spirit. And when we're in here, God will use me and he'll use different parts of the fivefold to manifest the fullness of what God has to equip us. But when you go out, you're supposed to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and all of those things. That's your job. You should be able to see into the spirit. You should be able to hear the voice of God. Amen. I believe that about you. God believes that about you. You might have a certain thrust to you. You know, you might be more of a prophetic person. You might be more of, the, of, of a, a, a worshiping kind of person. You might be more to where you've got, you know, a, a vein that you're in, but you can partake of everything that's at the Lord's table anytime you need to partake of it. There's an anointing. There's an unction on you to be able to do that. So the question is, how do you access that? How do you partake of what God has for you in the spirit? And again, this is so important. If you go back and you look in the Bible, there were tremendous miracles. There were tremendous revelations and things that were happening. And I know some people have taught, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of people sitting here that have heard teachings that have said that that stuff passed away with the apostles. If you have heard that, you heard something that is wrong. I have experienced many supernatural things in my life, and I only have more to come. And I'm telling you, if you will at the very least latch onto my coattails, you're going to experience some of them too. But if you will get this rooted and grounded in you and you'll begin to get a desire and get faith for the supernatural faith for the power of God you can have it in your life too and the deal is is you don't have to work for it it's given to you freely by grace that's what a gift is all about oh thank you Jesus Woo. if we had to work for it we would be might as well just go home and quit if we had to be good enough just go home and just lay down and quit but God will use the most wretched Messed up, goofy people. And I, I'm not using an excuse to live like the devil, but I'm saying even if you have lived like the devil, and even if you're learning to walk better, God can still use you. I'm, proof is in the pudding right here. I don't have it all together. I mean, I'm pretty close, but, you know. But seriously, God can just use anybody. And I believe that about you. God believes that about you. You need to believe that. Like what Dane said, you need to get rid of the critical spirit about yourself. You need to believe that about you. 
You need to not have a critical spirit about you. God can use you. God wants to use you. And the thing is, is that we were created in the image of God. We were created to fellowship with him. We were created to know him. We were created to be known by him. And because we have this new covenant and the spirit of the new covenant lives on the inside of us, we are created and made and hardwired by God to be used by him. There is a desire in you to be used by God. And that sounds bad, but when you're used by God, I mean, he's really good at leveraging his people. Amen. He pays really, really well. And there's a desire inside of every human being. They just don't know it. That's why they fill it with all of the things of the world because they're trying to fill something. But when you step into, and even before being used by God, doing good works, you just step into relationship with them, then the good works come out of the relationship. But you, you find a life that's so fulfilling. Money doesn't fulfill me anymore. <laughs> I used to find, I'll be totally honest with you, I've always had an infatuation with trucks. I love trucks. And I lusted after trucks. If you're going to lust after something, that's not too bad, I guess. But I would drive by the Chevy dealership and the Ford dealership, and I'd go, oh, baby. <laughs> Woo! But the deal is that stuff doesn't fulfill us. You know what fulfills me? At the end of the day, knowing that I had relationship and fellowship with him, and I did what he asked me to do. We can have all the fancy stuff in heaven. I believe that there will be a, the perfect kind of truck for me parked in my perfect garage. Amen. And my kids will even wash it in heaven. I believe that's going to happen too. So let me give you, I'm going to give you six things. Very, 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 everybody say very, 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 very quickly concerning how to, how to manifest or different levels of, of interaction and walking with the Lord. I don't know how to label it, but that's just, that's just how it is. And so number one, I'm going to give this to you very quickly. The first thing that you have to have is you have to have a hunger. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Turn there real quickly. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Number one is you have to have a hunger or you have to have desire. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Let's look at this here. It says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And over in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, it says, when you pray, whatsoever things you desire, you will have them if you believe when you're praying. And so whenever we're praying and whenever we're going through life, and this scripture verse here just says that we should pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. And the deal is that everything I'm talking about walking in, it has to do with gifts. It has to do with unction. And it has to do with the power of God. It has to do with interaction with him. But there has to be a desire there. And this word desire, it is a, it is a zeal that is in you. And here's the best way I could describe this is that it's kind of like when you're eating Thanksgiving you know, dinner and you, you eat. Don't worry, this is going to be good. We were talking about it. She's like, I don't like that. I said, well, I like it, so I'm going to go with it. When you eat Thanksgiving dinner and you go back and you have a second helping of Thanksgiving dinner, amen, I'm prophesying probably what's going to happen to most of us and whatever next week, <laughs> and then you go and you, there's some pie there and you take a piece of pie, not because you need it, but just because you desire it. And then usually probably about 30 minutes later, not really because you're really hungry, but that piece of uh, pecan or pecan, as I call it, pie, yeah. was so good that you go and you get a second piece. <clears throat> yeah. 
And just to be really, really good and not be a total glutton, you wait about two hours and then you go get a third piece of pumpkin pie and then you finally crash into a sugar coma and you sleep for 12 hours, right? <laughs> That's a type of desire. Let me tell you another type of desire. When you're at home and you have nothing sweet to eat and it's not Thanksgiving and you are desiring cinnamon rolls from Dollar General really bad or someone in your house is. And so at 9 o'clock at night, when it's cold outside, you, get, you put your, your warm clothes on, you get in your car, you drive to Dollar General, you buy the cinnamon rolls and you buy the milk and drive home so you can eat that. Now that is having zeal in your desire. <laughs> That's doing what it takes to get what you want. And when it comes to the things of the Spirit, I'm being funny, but I'm not being funny. You need to do what it takes to get what you want. And the deal is it's not selfish because if you go back and you look in this passage, this section of Scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that he gives the gifts, but the gifts are given for the profit of all. We should desire spiritual gifts not so that we can show off how fancy our gift is. It's so that we can bless other people. But we're not going to function at the levels that the Lord wants us to, to function in, be it just relationship with him or operating in a gift of the spirit or whatever it is. We're not going to function in that unless we first have a desire for it. You have to have a desire. And I only know two ways to have a desire. Number one, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't it interesting that it mixes taste and sight in the same verse, but it says taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the kingdom of God for you. It'll tell you to do things that don't make any sense, but if you obey, it will make sense when you do it. It says to taste and see that the Lord is good. But if you don't have that zeal in you to get up and go to Dollar General and get what Jesus has for you at Dollar General, they really do have good cinnamon rolls there for some reason. And so whatever, anyways, then you need to ask him for that desire. Be like, Lord, I know that I need this, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to give me a desire to want the thing that I know that I need. And if you will do that and you will do it in faith, God will give you a desire to desire the thing that you need to desire. And then when you finally get off your keister and you drive and you get what you need spiritually, you'll taste and you'll see that the Lord is good. And everybody understands with this with sugar. Man, we can be doing so good, and then we eat something, and then like the pumpkin or the pecan pie thing, you eat a bunch, and then it's like the next week, it's like, oh, there's a pecan pie at, at Rocher's, and you buy it because it was so good, and you, and you just get, a, you get drawn to it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm using natural terms to, to describe something spiritual, but it's the same thing that happens in the spirit. If you will taste of it, you will just partake of it. You will get in a good addiction for the things of the spirit. You'll get a good addiction for spending time with the Lord. Sometimes people say, I just don't feel like reading the Bible. I hardly ever feel like reading the Bible. I'm not, some people are just bookworms. I'm not, a, I'm not a bookworm. I don't really like to read, but I love the revelation that I get and the, and the hunger that even grows in my heart when I spend more time with him. Number one is you have to have a hunger. Number two, and again, these are different levels of interaction with the Lord or different levels in the spirit that you can go to. Number one is a hunger. Number two is just praise. Now, these don't always happen in order, but I'm just going to give you kind of what the Lord has shown me. I can't give you a Bible verse that lays these things out. This is just, this is Kent's experience with you. With, that I'm sharing with you. And so the second thing here is just praise. You know what I've found is that because I have a hunger in me, most of the time, the higher levels 
of the Lord, the glory, which is the highest level, and we're going to get to that, and then there's different levels of glory. But I don't hardly get anywhere unless I first start with praise. Praise has zero. Everybody say zero. zero. Praise has zero to do with how you feel, but everything to do with what you know is right. When you praise God, what you're doing is you are magnifying him. Some of the best testimonies and the best times that I've had with the Lord have come out of the most rotten situations. And it's because I knew that I had to turn my eyes from the issue to the one who can take care of the issue, from the problem to the problem solver. That's what praise does. And the way that you praise is you just begin to thank him and glorify him and magnify him and lift up his name and you exalt him and you look to him. And before you know it, he gets bigger and the problem gets smaller. And even if it doesn't really, it at least appears that way, which will cause you to get into faith to receive the thing that you need from the Lord. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and around verse 8. I'm trying to quote it quickly here, but I can't remember how to quote it. It says that as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. That's the first part. And then it says, in verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it, what? In the faith with thanksgiving. Faith is about pressing in even when you don't feel like it. It has zero to do with your feelings. And the way that you get into faith is by praising God and thanking him, magnifying, glorifying him, which again has nothing to do with how you feel. Sometimes you feel like it and sometimes you don't. I think that's some, I didn't mean to do that, but sometimes you feel like faith, sometimes you don't, however it goes. Anyways, amen. That's the second thing. Here's the third thing is prayer. Here's the third level of just interacting with the Lord. And when you move past the place of thanksgiving, and by the way, almost every time I go to the Lord, I'm already hungry for what he has for me. And I need to say this. This is very important. There are different paradigms in the Bible that, you know, the, the Bible has, has a tension. Just going back to the hunger thing very quickly. This is very important. I almost forgot it. There, there are tensions in the Bible that are put there on purpose. The Lord will actually completely say opposite of what he said before just to make us go well so that we will begin to seek him on the answers for that because the bible doesn't have any contradictions they're just apparent contradictions there's a way to harmonize those things and the deal is is that the bible let me give you some examples of this and i'm not even going to go there but in isaiah it talks about turning your your pruning hooks into spears and your plowshares shares into swords. And then if you go and look over in Joel, it says the complete opposite. It says go and turn your sword into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. So which one does the Lord want us to do? It sounds like the Lord's contradicting himself. It just depends on the season that you're in. Sometimes there's a time and a place for warring. And that's when you quit gardening for a moment. I mean, we're always kind of tilling and planting seed. That's part of the, the life in Christ. But sometimes you got to lay that down because the enemy's coming. He's going to uproot the seed. He's going to uproot the work that you're doing. And you need to take out your, short, his, your sword and you need to chop off his head. There's a time for going to war and then there's a time for planting and sowing and reaping and all of those things. That's why the Lord has those tensions that are in the scripture verses. It also says, Jesus says, he said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Love your enemies. But then he also says that if anyone desires to be my disciple. He said, you can't be my disciple unless you hate 
your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your children, your spouse. He said, you got to hate them. Well, that's completely, it sounds like Jesus is saying to hate the people that are good to you and love the people that are bad, bad to you. But what he's doing is he's giving attention there to bring out understanding in the word so we have a proper balance of what he's saying. And really what he's just saying is the hate is in comparison to how much we love him. We don't really hate anybody else, but it's in comparison to how much we love him. And the other thing is he's just saying love everybody regardless how they treat you. And so when it comes to the idea of hunger, there's a tension in the word that's so important. I was, I was in a sense raised up underneath of the idea that we shouldn't be hungry for God. And there is a revelation about not being hungry for God that actually is accurate. Because some people come to a place where they say, I'm, I, I, I'm hungry and I'm hungry and I'm hungry. And they go and they never get filled. Listen, when you get in the presence of God, if you're really in faith, you're going to get filled. You're going to get what you need. And the deal is once Jesus has filled you, spiritually speaking, you don't really need to be filled anymore. You're completely filled and full and to the brim and you don't leak. That's good spiritual revelation. Regardless of how much I messed it up, regardless of, of how I missed it or the words I said, I don't spiritually get drained. I'm full. I'm not hungry anymore spiritually. But yet at the same time, so he tells us to that if we'll taste of him, he's the bread of life, if we'll eat of him, we'll never hunger or thirst again. There's your fullness. There's the fullness doctrine that you don't need to be hungry anymore. But then he also says that he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be filled. So which one is it, Jesus? Do we need to be hungry or do we not need to be hungry? You need to be both. You need to realize that you have the fullness of God on the inside of you. But if you ever get to a point to where you stop seeking him for more manifestation, more revelation, more understanding of what's on the inside of you, that is a lazy middle-of-the-road place that will get you in trouble. There needs to be a hunger in us to see and manifest more of what God has for us. But at the same time, we realize he's given us everything that we could possibly ever need. We are filled with the fullness of God. Can I get a big amen? So hunger is number one. Praise is number two. Prayer is number three. And I'm out of time, but I'm going to hit these real quick. Prayer is number three. There's different kinds of prayer. Prayer is just interacting with the Lord. There are prayer of supplications, which is just asking the Lord for things. There's prayer of intercession. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. There's praying in tongues. There's praying in your understanding. There's lots of different kinds of prayers that you can do. If you, if you can't get to a place to where you have a prayerful life with the Lord then you're never going to go and receive and go into higher levels in the spirit that God has for you. And I think some of you, I might have lost you right here because you're like, well, who cares if I go higher in the spirit? Trust me. When you get there, you wish you would have gotten there sooner. When you, have the, when you have the heavens opened up and God revealed things to you and revelation gets poured on you. But it doesn't just come. We have to cooperate with him. But prayer, here's the deal. Prayer is not about us coming and laying out all of our problems to the Lord. Prayer is about us going and interacting with him. It's a relational thing that we're supposed to have with God. Amen. So the next level there is prayer. And then the next level there is worship. And see, these all get intertwined. And worship isn't just about singing songs together or singing songs, period. Worship, listen to this. Worship is about face-to-face -face with God. Worship is about you getting with the Lord. And sometimes it happens in a corporate setting. But I can tell you my best times of worship, honestly, are not in here. It's in my office or it's in my home or it's driving down the road. It's when I get alone with God and I say, Father, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want deeper understanding of you. I want to know your love greater. Worship is about face to face with God. I say this and I say this conservatively. 50% 
of people, this is very conservative, 50% of people that are, in, that are born again in spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word, faith, glorious churches have never had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. You're saying, have you physically seen Jesus? No, I haven't physically seen him, but I'm telling you now, I know him. I know him very well, and I'm getting to know him better all the time. The reason that people have so many problems is because they, they just don't know him. And sometimes people will say, well, how do you hear God's voice? voice? I could, listen, I could sit and explain to you all day long what his voice sounds like, but it is not going to help you unless you hear it for yourself. And you know, the problem is, is that people won't just press in and get to the point to where they hear God. You just, just like the prophet Nike said, you just got to do it. You just have to do it. You say, well, how do I do it? Listen, it's as simple as, it's as, simple as this. And I don't want to be crude with this, but I'm just going to say it. Because that's what I'm in the business of doing, just saying things and apologizing later. <laughs> but if you have two, if you have two because the Bible relates intimacy with the Lord similar to a relationship between a man and a woman properly within a, a marriage. It, it brings a correlation there. And so that there's, there's, there's intimacy there with the Lord that's not weird, but it's in a deep place. And people that have been married long enough, you know that it's not really about the, the SEX. It's about the intimacy that you have with that person and what comes out of that. But this is, how, this is how easy it is. You could have a boy and a girl, oh, older, oh, young man and young woman, let's say it like that. Whew. Young man and a young woman, male and female, who are both attracted to each other and have had no experience and no understanding and no one told them what to do. They get married. They go on their wedding night. I can promise you they're going to figure out what to do. Why? Because they went to that place and made themselves available to each other. We have to make ourselves available to God. We have to be willing to take the time. And listen, I'm trying not to be crude, but the Bible's the one that paints the picture, not me. So get mad at God, not me. But there needs to come to a place to where we will unveil ourselves before the Lord and say, God, deal with me. Speak to me. Minister to me. You already know everything about me anyways. God, I want to know you and I want you to know me. That's what worship is, face-to-face with God, intimate with him, allowing him to touch the deepest, darkest places of your life so he can shine a light in it. Let me give you number five, and this is one I'm already operating in at the moment, and it's the level of the anointing. I know it's 12.04. I have to get this out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your graciousness with me. Level number five, and you say, I don't see these levels in the Bible. Just spend time with the Lord, and you'll see this come to pass in your life. And maybe you'll have some levels in there that I've never seen or known. This is just what Kent has experienced. Level number five is the anointing. The anointing is his ability. Everybody say his ability. His ability working through you to accomplish what he's called you to, to accomplish. It's God's ability. It's his unction. If the Lord has called you to something, he has anointed you to to accomplish and fulfill that call. I cannot tell you, I've had people tell me so many times, it seems like you, you like I've got, I've, those are my notes for today. I can't hardly read any of them, but yet it'll just flow out of me. They'll go, how do you do that? I don't know. I, I can't, I honest to God, I can't tell you. I try, I've been doing this for eight years and I cannot tell you, well, a little longer than that. I cannot tell you how to put a sermon together. I can't tell you how to do it. I can tell you what I do to prepare, 
But it's the unction, it's the anointing that will come on, that will release God's ability to break through and destroy the yoke and get to the other side and have the increase that needs to be there. Hallelujah. That's what the anointing does. But listen to this. When the anointing comes, what you're really looking for is the glory to fall. And the glory, and there are different levels within the glory. But the glory is where the, where the Lord settles. He rises up or he comes down, depending on what verse you're reading. There's another paradigm of opposite. But the glory will rise. The glory will come down. And when the glory comes in, that's when you step out of the way and you let him work in the midst of you. The anointing is when you work, but the glory is when he works. The anointing is when he works through you, but the glory is when he works in the midst of you. Does that make sense? And so I need to say this one last thing, and then we're going to cut it, and we're going to quit because the kids are done and ready. Everybody believed I needed to say this, right? Thank you, Jesus. When we are in, and we're going to learn how to do this more and better and greater, but when we are in corporate times together, listen to me now, and we're going to have some, some better understanding and boundaries how to do all of this because we want what God's heart, every time we come together, we want God's heart to come to the surface. Agreed? When we are operating in the anointing, the purpose of the anointing is to bring us to a level of glory. So when the prophecies come forth, when the words come forth, it's not the, the end goal is not to give more words. Because we don't want to go from glory to anointing. We want to go from glory to anointing to more glory to anointing to more glory to where we go into higher and deeper and greater levels of things that he has. The anointing is just to release the glory that he has for that particular situation. Does that make sense? You say, well, I can't find that in the Bible. I'm just telling you my relationship with the Lord because this is exactly what I experience in my own personal life with the Lord every single day of my life. And I'm telling you, this is a key for us to see the greater, to see the, to see the best that God has for us. Amen. Are you all with me? Are you getting this? Some of you that say, I just don't see that. Sounds like heresy to me. Well, if you're one of those people that think that something just disagrees with you, then it has to be wrong, then you need a new filter to start to agree with the people that God's put in your life to speak truth to your life so you can go to the next level and stop staying stuck where you're at and so we can all experience the best of what God has. Amen. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, and I'm prophesying right now in the name of Jesus. There is coming a time, and the day is near where the clock will not matter. I don't know how. We'll find out how to be respectful, how to be honoring of people's times, but God, we won't cut it off, and we'll be able to continue and go deeper and go longer, but for now, we've got kids to deal with, and, and people maybe are still hungry more naturally than they are spiritually, but in Jesus' name, we're going to be more and more and more hungry spiritually. I thank you in the name of Jesus that there is going to be times when we will come in here and people are going to be laid out by the power of God. The glory of God will be so thick in here, you won't want to leave. Your spiritual hunger is going to outweigh your natural hunger. It's going to ruin your plans for Sunday afternoon. It's going to wreck everything that you've wanted to do, and it's not the glory of Ken. It's not because the worship team played everything perfect. It's not because everything went just right. It's because God showed up. It's because God was in our midst. And we've got such an honor and a respect for your presence, Jesus. God, I've seen it right now. We have such an honor and respect for your presence. Let us grow in faith. Thank you, God, for, for having mercy on us as we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And we're going to continue to increase. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.